you can have a really big goal that seems scary and maybe even a little bit out of reach. But when you pile on the 24-hour actions, one after another, after another, all of a sudden, you're a quarter of the way to a goal. You're halfway to the goal. And that big goal doesn't seem so big anymore. It actually feels really, really achievable. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like, why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. Lynn Wash and Melanie Pinto both work at PCL. Lynn as a project manager and Melanie as an estimator. They shared how they were able to level up their leadership by making small changes that lead to a big impact. In this episode, they shared why keeping your head up and connecting with people is critical if you wanna rise to leadership and how to stop working with your head down how to delegate tasks to others in order to build morale on your team, and why focusing on your behavior instead of your technical skills can accelerate your path to leadership. I am so honored that they were able to share their stories, and I'm excited to share this episode with you today. Tell me, Lynn, what do you love about working in the construction industry? I love that every day is different. I love the concept that you can build the exact same thing in two different spots and have two completely different sets of challenges. I love working with the different people, the trades people, the architects, the engineers, the owners. Everyone's coming at the same project from a completely different perspective, and it's kind of merging them all together to get to that outcome. I love it. Melanie Pinto, welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. What do you love about the construction industry? For me, it's always been taking drawings and then making them a reality. I've always loved to be a process of turning conceptual into reality. I, I've always thought that was really cool. And the whole problem aspect of construction, with construction, it's never, you know, it's never a straightforward approach a lot of the time. There's things that happen that you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis that surprise you. So, so yeah, that's my my favorite part. Is like dealing with surprises and challenges. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Okay, Melanie, can you take me back and explain what was going on for you before you signed up for our leadership accelerator course? Sure. Yeah. So right before I signed up for the course, I had actually been lucky enough to get placed on a civil geotechnical project, which was really in my wheelhouse, meaning that uh, highlighted those educational and experience background that I had. And I just finished the first part of the submission, which went really well. And it really felt like PCL was valuing my work and encouraging me to grow. And then they extended out the ambition theory course for me to join. Okay. And what were you, what made you say yes to take the course? So, so I said yes, because, you know, it was really interesting to me uh, to, I guess, do a course like that. Like I haven't done too many personal growth courses and, and leadership 
is sort of a new concept to me. So I was pretty excited to to get involved with something like that and, and to see where where it could go. Cool. And we're so I'm so glad you said yes, Melanie. You're such a great contributor to the course. Lane, can you talk about what was going on for you before you decided to sign up? Yeah, for sure. It, the, and the Ambition Theory course had been on my radar, but I had been in my role for quite a few years. I was just looking for something different, some kind of different format of training that would maybe give me a little bit of an edge and give me some tools for actionable behavioral skills that that I wasn't leveraging right now or, or, or then in order to, you know, hopefully take that next step in my career. I was looking for something more than I was currently doing, but I didn't necessarily know how to get there. Okay, Lynn, I know you kind of been thinking about taking our course, even before it was the Leadership Accelerator, it used to be called Reignite Your Ambition. And you were kind of on the fence a couple times and decided not to join until January, 2022. So what was going on there? Can you explain? Yeah, for sure. I didn't want to take a women's course. I was nervous that it was going to lead me down a different path than what I felt was going to really help me achieve what I wanted to achieve. But, you know, I had kept working away with my head down, doing the daily tasks and doing the daily work. And I wasn't really gaining any traction in what I wanted to achieve. So I just decided on my own to say yes and see what could come of this. And I'm really curious when you said like one of the things you wanted to learn in the course was the behavioral skills. And we don't normally use that language when we're talking about work, right? Especially in construction. How did you even know that that was like a concept and that was kind of like the thing that would get you to the next level? Well, so being a woman in the construction industry, it's sometimes a challenge to be heard when you see things the same way as a, as one of your male colleagues or, or male counterparts. And, you know, I wanted to make sure I was staying true to myself, my personality and what I bring to the table, but find a way to highlight my skill in that behavioral network, in that behavioral mind frame. Okay. Did you always understand this? Or how did you even know that that's the thing? The way you behave, the way you communicate, those are really what leadership skills are. Because I, I know what it is, but I find we don't really talk about it that way. So I'm so curious how you knew that that's where I need to spend my energy. That's where I need to kind of level up. It's through experience, through experience, being on the site, in the room, and seeing one behavior by one person and my behavior, which I would say would have been on the same playing field, would have been the same level, but it being taken seriously in, in one hand and maybe too aggressive when, when it was coming from me, or there's a couple of different adjectives that had been used that I didn't understand why it was different for me. Okay. So kind of sounds like you're experiencing the double bind, right? If you showed up assertive, like, like a leader should be, it was maybe you're rubbing people the wrong way. They're thinking you're too aggressive. Whereas 
if you said it, you got your head down, you're working your way at the task, it's you're not getting high because you're not putting your hand up saying, I'm here, I'm amazing, <laughs> ready to go. <laughs> Is that kind of what it would mean? Like? I think that's one of the, the things that I really appreciated in the course was the validation that the double bind exists, that I wasn't a little bit crazy and I wasn't, it wasn't just all in my head. The validation that it, it exists and then knowing what, that there are things that I can do to help move past that, whether it's acknowledging it in the room or making sure that my, my presentation is geared to the audience while still remaining true to myself. Okay. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lynn. And getting uncomfortable because I pushed you a little bit. with They're hard things to say out loud. Totally. They are. So Melanie, I'm curious, you talked about no one really talking about leadership and leadership as being new to you. Was there something kind of blocking you from kind of getting to that next step of your career? Like you're leading a project, all your dreams were coming true. Was there something that was missing or blocking you from going all in with it? Um, I think predominantly for me, it was the experience and just having the opportunity to work with something within my skill set. Because previously at PCL, I was, you know, in solar and consulting leadership isn't, you know, it's not really highlighted, I'd say in the consultant industry as much as it, it is in, in construction. And, you know, construction tends to be a lot about networking and relationship building. So leadership, running a group, having those interpersonal skills become uh, that much more important. So I'd say the obstacle for me was definitely just being able to be a part of something within my skill set. Then, you know, once I was kind of given the appropriate project to run with, you know, all of a sudden things started to fall place and I really got to exercise those leadership skills. Yeah, just to kind of show what I can do and what I can bring to the table. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing that. So I want to talk about the difference between the way ambition theory approaches leadership training versus any other leadership training course that you could take because there's so many out there and there is also so many for the construction industry. Can you talk about what was different about the way we approach our ambition theory, Melanie? in terms of anything else you've seen before, especially with your experience as a consultant, my hypothesis would be, it would be more that transactional approach, right? I am the expert as the consultant. So you listen to what I say, like very top down, not so much on the way you're describing it. And I see really construction as this opportunity to lean into those transformational leadership skills and build those relationships and move forward as a team versus that top down approach. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, for sure. That, that's a good way to put it. Definitely in the consultant world, you don't want there to be gray areas. So everything you say is very direct. You're like, this needs to be done like this. And, you know, you have to do it. There's no no gray areas. Whereas construction, when you put on the other hat, it, it's it's very much where you're, there are a lot of gray areas and you're talking through things. So I guess in terms of like the other part of the question, which is how is this course different? I like how personalized it was and the whole coaching aspect of it. And I really like that sort of coming each week with the problems or not necessarily problems, but just stories and just having insight. I felt like it really dealt with a lot of uh, specific things to myself. And it was a lot more engaging than I'd say other courses that would have been. And I really like my whole career. I've been surrounded by men. So this is really different to be surrounded by women. So it's totally a different experience and you're able to relate on things that I'm not used to relating on. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess I also like how it wasn't a forced goal approach. It was very, it felt very natural and sort of seamless with the, what I was looking at, you know, in the office and bringing it to the course. And, and it just felt like a full circle. That was great. 
So tell me the difference between like a forced goal and how you're able to like integrate what you're learning into your job. I'd love to just hear from you what that experience was like. Yeah, it was great. We made the roadmap where we see ourselves in five years or we see ourselves in 10 years. And then just looking at step by step, how do I get where I want to be? And looking like big picture, changing your perspective. I thought that was all a great way to make you realize, okay, these are the goals I actually need. They didn't feel forced anymore because they all made sense. Whereas some of the other courses I've done, it's for leadership. You need a goal for this year. All right, you have a month to come up with it. Whereas this, I guess, is a more natural development, which I was able to bring back to my daily work. Did you find that it aligned with the company and where the opportunities are at PCL? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a good, I think it's a different perspective on something that seems obvious, but it might not necessarily be so obvious. I think it definitely aligns with the PCL vision, especially with empowering women. I thought that was a great way to do it as well. Okay. Can you talk about like just this idea of the goal setting and like explain a little bit more because there are financial goals, there are project goals, like there's very tangible things that you actually need to deliver as part of your job. The way that we do it is we start with you, right? What drives your mission? What's important to you? Where do you want to go? Really, my goal as your coach is to align what you want as much as we can with what the company wants and the company needs to deliver. So can you talk about how did it actually happen? Yeah, the first one was really interesting because that's a lot about understanding yourself. And you really helped us understand as well when we talked about our own sort of driving factors. You kind of helped us or guided us to understand that, for example, mine is, you know, that sort of expertise that guides me or and some other people might be, it might be money or it might be power or stature or that kind of thing. So, so I thought that was interesting because once you know what the fabric is, it's a lot easier to run with it and to see how to get to your end goal. Okay, cool. Lynn, how about you? I want to talk about what you learned in the course, because I know you were really excited and you were kind of on this journey, ready to go. So talk about some of your takeaways from the course. The best takeaway for me is the 24 action plan, doing little actions, whether it's making a phone call, reaching out to a colleague from a past project, or, you know, doing, stepping forward and taking, taking a risk in a presentation. All of those little 24-hour actions are the stepping stones to getting to the goal. And in the past, goal setting can be a little bit intimidating. It can feel a little bit too big if I put something out there and I don't achieve it. Whereas with this 24-hour process and these stepping stones, yeah, you can have a really big goal that seems scary and maybe even a little bit out of reach, but... When you pile on the 24-hour actions, one after another, after another, all of a sudden, you're a quarter of the way to a goal. You're halfway to the goal. And that big goal doesn't seem so big anymore. It actually feels really, really achievable. Yeah, I love that you said that. We actually have round two of the courses right now. We just finished week four. Honestly, some of the people, because they've been doing their 24-hour actions for four weeks, what their five-year goal was or their one-year goal was is now becoming their goal for the course. So they're actually making so much progress that they have to make the timeline 
come a little bit faster. It is really powerful when you take action, what happens. But the other interesting thing is when you take action, it doesn't always go as planned, right? You try something, you put yourself out there, you take a big risk. Did anything happen, Lynn, in one of those 24-hour actions where it really did not go as you thought it would? Well, yes, of course it did. And it's that it was a learning experience. I approached meeting how I thought it was going to come out with the outcome that I was was planning and I had it envisioned in my head and the meeting went a little bit sideways but I found I was able to adapt to that problem or that situation a little bit easier I didn't kind of go into a turtle mode of shutting down and stop stop talking or abandoning the concept I was able to manage my message a little bit better so it wasn't a complete fail of a meeting so how did you recover? Tell me what tools you used to save that meeting and kind of get things back on track. It was really just understanding that I that the message wasn't being heard how I meant it or and how I was intending it. And really, you know, taking a step back, thinking for a couple of minutes and trying to understand what drives the people on the other side of the table. You have to give them the message that they can hear. And that's something that I I probably haven't done enough in my career is being quite focused and, well, this is the way I see it and this is my message. Sometimes that can come off a little bit harsh and and not be received. So it was not necessarily backpedaling, but just taking a, a pause and finding a way to reframe the message so that it was received properly. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I want to tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. Okay, can we unpack this a bit more? Is that okay? Because I think this is such a powerful example. Sure. Because you said, like, what drives them? So what did drive them? What drove them wasn't the process of how I came to this is where I'm at. What drove them was a clear, concise message that was on point on only the subject at hand and taking away some of the noise of the backstory, which for me was really important in the beginning was to explain that backstory. Oh, I love it. So in that moment, they really cared about the then and now. What's the next step? They were, it sounds like they were very head down in the process, in the middle of the project. I only care about the next step. Right now, I'm not worried about the big picture, but you're all transformational, big picture. And they were not ready to jump on that train with you to think they're in that moment. So I love that you went there. It did not go well. (laughs) They were ready and then you were able to adjust. So what did you do in that moment? How did you take it from here's the big picture? Here's all the reasons we're doing it and realizing, okay, this is not working. This is not going to land with them today. Tell me what you did. 
it was cueing in on the key phrase, the executive summary. They wanted the executive summary. They wanted that reporting up message. So to take that and to really, really stay on point and really stay focused on what that next level management needed to hear. They didn't need to hear all of the intricacies of the meetings and the evaluation process. They needed to know what, where are we and what's next. Oh, I love this. So this is actually, this situation was actually challenging you to lead up and think strategically. I love this. So that experience, how has that helped you at the next meeting and the next meeting and approach other people? It's in everything. It's really in the documents that I'm preparing, the responses I'm preparing. When it's for this one group, I really, I have this message. I have clear, concise, on point, and I have that framework. So I know that when I'm dealing with this group, that's the information that's needed. And I have a different message for one of my other groups that I'm reporting to where they want to know the evolution of what I've been doing and they want to know the story behind it. I love it. This is a perfect example, Lynn, of you like leveraging your emotional intelligence, right? Paying attention to that audience and really thinking about them first before taking any action. So I love that you're flexing this muscle and it seems to be working really well. It's a muscle that needs to be practiced. It's very easy to slip back into just my perspective here's how I'm going to write this, or here's how I'm going to prepare this document. And I've caught myself, I've been caught out a couple of times where the message hasn't landed. And in the past, I would probably sit in that, that self-pity it a little bit. I didn't, I didn't hit the mark, but, you know, leveraging this new skill set, I can, I can pack that away. I can deal with it, pack it away and then move on to, okay, here's the feedback. This is what's needed next. I love it. So you're managing yourself, being strategic. I love that you're flexing that strategic thinking muscle too. That's really, really awesome. And some people need the details and some people don't. Is there a tool that you have to figure out? What information does this person need versus this person? Because you have two different teams, right? And it sounds like they have very different needs. Not necessarily two different teams, but I'm definitely delivering information to different groups. And really it's fostering the relationship and understanding what drives the other person. Just as much as I have to know what drives me, I need to know what's driving the different parties to the team. Okay, so how do you know that? How do you, in that moment, how can you take that pause and be like, hmm, what drives that team? How do you start to get curious to figure that out? For me, it's all about language and it's all about verbal language and body language. If I'm giving too much information and they seem to be a little bit distracted, I'm not hitting the mark. Or with the active listening, the feedback I'm getting is, I need to know this. I need to know one specific thing. I've cued in on that fact that, no, they want that executive summary. They want that. Here's the current situation. Here's the next steps. Okay. So just paying extra attention to people's, how they respond, what's going on with them, with their mood, their image, all that. It all affects. And is it different for you when it's a virtual meeting versus an in-person meeting? It is. For sure it is. There's so much more inflection and body language that you can read, I find, when you're in person. Through the pandemic, we've come a long way with our, our video conference abilities. I find active listening is a little bit easier to do. That feedback is a lot easier if you're in the same room. Okay. I love, yeah, that's really, it's really powerful. But how, is there something that you can do online that you've been able to figure out? Just giving them a little pauses. If the active feedback isn't there, prompting that question. 
is is this what you're looking for? Are you asking that question? Have I hit the mark? Finding a way to get that feedback and let them mull it over and come back with their response. I love it. So simple, right? So simple to execute, but sometimes hard. Like it's easy to forget to do it. Ask more questions and pause. Yeah. A lot of times everyone's busy. Everyone wants to keep pushing forward and they want to keep pushing their agenda, but pushing your agenda is not going to work if it's not landing. Yeah, totally. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Lynn. Melanie, how about you? Did something kind of come up where you're like, okay, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to practice this new skill. And it did not go how you really expected it to go. I guess probably the most, or the biggest pickup I'd say that, I ha- that happened during the course was when my knee kind of gave out on me during the middle of the course, during the middle of the submission. All the dates kind of got pushed just because of the state I was in. I had to take some time off. I didn't have as much time as I thought I would. So there was a point there where I kind of felt a bit below the bar. And I was just like, okay, why do I feel below the bar? How do I get above the bar? And I remember my 24-hour action was to kind of create a list because I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And it was like to create a list of all the, the must-dos and what are the most important and to see where I could delegate. And I think that was, that was kind of the turning point because I was like, okay, you know what? I have all this stuff to do. I don't have that much time, but I can delegate, which was a little bit of a struggle for me. But just having that all laid out there and trying to prioritize seeing what had to be done by myself, what could be passed along. It really, it was a good 24 hour action. So I went from being below the bar to creating my list, having a game plan and to being above the bar. I remember this because I remember yeah. I did this in the coaching and it was really hard for you. I remember I asked you to do it live in the coaching and you're like, no, I need to do everything. Nobody can do anything. So if you can explain what shifted, because that's what leadership is, right? You're not doing anymore. You're actually empowering other people's to do. Literally, you stepped up to the plate, stepped up to that leader role while you were getting surgery on your knee, recovering, waiting. Tell me like what actually happened that allowed you to really lean into that, those, uh, these amazing leadership skills that you have and implement it. Yeah, you know, I think it was, I honestly think it was you questioning me when you're just like, you really need to do all these? I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, just, all this, I was like, wait a minute, let me, let me take a step back and actually think this through, you know, just because I want to do them and I want it to be perfect doesn't mean that I can't empower someone else to get it to that level. So I think just being questioned on that and really pulling back and, and taking a look at the bigger picture, creating that list, I think it, I can get all fed into that. How did it go delegating? How was it with the people that were taking those things off your plate? Yeah, it was, it's always a, a kind of crazy mad dash, but that definitely, that definitely made it a little bit less of a crazy week. So that was good. The delegation went great. So it was good. It felt like a team. Everyone at the end of the day, we all got to high five each other and be like, okay, we did a great job here. And I didn't feel like there is there's any loss there. And I also feel like I was set up more for the future because now you kind of, you're like, okay, well, you know, if, if there's too much here, someone else can take this part and someone else can take this part. And you kind of have that and in the back of your head. Can you explain more about the team dynamic? Because you said at the end, we felt like we were part of a team. We all high-fived each other. So what was some of that impact of you kind of getting out of the way and letting other people step up to the plate as part of that outcome? Because it sounds like a great outcome, but what was some of the benefits to the other people on the team? Yeah, for example, this was like a resubmission of something we had done previously. So around October, 
of last year. We'd done the submission and I remember we submitted. It was all great. It was a lot of work at the end there, but it, everyone was happy with it. But I remember one of my colleagues being like, oh yeah, you know, I felt like a part-timer. I was telling everybody, he was in the Calgary office, he was saying that, oh yeah, I felt like a part-timer. You're just, you know, going through it and doing everything. And I could have done more. And I was like, okay, well, this time around, the whole knee surgery and the circumstances, I actually had to be forced to really delegate. So yeah, just that sense of urgency. But then in the end, it ended up resulting in something better where everyone felt like they really engaged. And yeah, at the end of the day, I think everyone felt like they contributed more than maybe. So if I had just done everything, so it was more of a group effort. The setup for the next submission is better now because now you have all these people that can take over this portion. I can take over this portion. Melanie's not just the overseer and then overdoers. Okay. So did the shift go from literally this one team member felt like it sounds like if they kind of like labeled themselves a part-timer and then they're not truly feeling like they're part of the team to literally like now they feel like they're part of the team. Now they're excited for the next one. Is that kind of the transformation that happened? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's only the triple what you wish for because he was making a joke that he was a part-timer and now he definitely wasn't a part-time. But yeah, it, it was great. Even painting stuff on, you discuss it more, you go through it more, you see the differences between the way other people do it and the way you do it, and you learn more, they learn more. There's a lot of advantages to it. So definitely delegation, I'd say that 24-hour task was the biggest thing that I got from this course. Okay, cool. Thanks for sharing that. You talked about one of the reasons that you signed up for this course, because leadership was new, like there's this opportunity. Can you talk about the before and after, specifically around your leadership skill sets? What was it like before? And then what are you like now as a leader? Yeah, so I think I was maybe a little bit more independent when it came to working and these projects. I'd try to be like, okay, you do this, but try to keep one hand on it at all times to make sure that I knew where it was going. I say now, I'm not going to say that I've really hands off, but definitely uh, just working with people, building that trust and allowing them to build up that trust with me and, and along the way. I think that's definitely developed throughout this course. Okay. And what's next for you, Melanie? Still, still on the same project. There's one more submission of it. We're doing kind of an alternate analysis to save some money. So that's really exciting. I'm trying to lean into some of my strengths to get that done and some of my experience to see where it can go. And I'm pretty excited about implementing a couple of those solutions that haven't been seen before. So, so that could be really cool and new to the PCL and maybe that industry as well. Okay. So your team is literally delivering a new way of business. Yeah, a new methodology, construction methodology, yeah, for civil geopack, yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Well, I'm excited. Keep us posted as to how that goes. Lynn, can you talk about the before and after for you from specifically around your leadership style and your leadership skills? Yeah, so it's been a while for me since I've been in a leadership role with any of my projects. I've been really head down dealing with one or two compartments of a job and I wasn't really actively looking for leadership roles or responsibilities. I was just really getting the work done and had my head down and now I am on purpose head up looking for ways to connect to other people within the industry I'm looking at ways to make sure I stay connected with some of my previous colleagues in Calgary and now one who's down in Australia. And 
we have our own internal peer-to-peer program. And I've set a new goal right on the end of the Ambition Theory program to learn more about the contracting and the business side of what we do. So completely out of my comfort zone, but I'm okay with it. And I'm kind of excited about learning that other side of the industry that I haven't had any experience in. So Lynn, it sounds like you're doing all these things out of your comfort zone, new things, connecting with all these people. What's it like from, I want to say employee engagement, but that really sounds like very like an HR term, (laughs) but think about your joy and your happiness at work. How has it affected that? So my, my passion reason for being in the industry is I enjoy connecting and I enjoy teamwork and having my head down and my blinders on, although my own stuff is done in my way. It definitely wasn't looking up for that broader impact. And I get so much more satisfaction of feeling like I'm part of the bigger team and having opportunities to connect. That's what fuels me. That kind of fills up my cup. It makes me excited to show up the next day and figure out what is next. Oh, that's exciting. So what is next for you, Lynn? I've, I've still got this this one project that I'm working on. I've got to stay on that until the end. It'll be interesting to have conversations with the decision makers in the office and find out what opportunities are out there and what do I want to do next? I think, you know, six months ago, a year ago, I don't know. I know that I wouldn't have been willing or ready to broach that conversation. And now I am. I love it. So you're able to kind of show up, step up to the plate and say, these are my skills and show the value that you bring to the table and how it can help the company. Yeah. And what do, you know, what, what do I want to be involved with next? It, you know, we're, we're busy. So there, there's opportunity. And I think that that's something that's really cool in the industry right now. Yes, so many opportunities in construction right now. Oh, thank you so much for sharing, for getting uncomfortable and sharing your experience with me today. Lynn, how do people connect with you? On LinkedIn, lkwalsh at pcl.com. Okay, awesome. I'll put your LinkedIn in the show notes. Melanie, how do people connect with you? Is LinkedIn the best? Yeah, LinkedIn, Melanie Pinto or email mpinto at com. Okay, awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show. One last thing, we always like to end with a 24-hour action. So I'm curious if you can share one of yours. So Melanie's, yours was actually a really, you already said one, was making that list of all the things you have to do and question, do you really need to be the person to do it? So if people want to start with that action, do you recommend they just do it? Is that a good action? Definitely. I definitely do. You know, it, Sometimes it seems obvious you can just make a list and, and delegate it. But something I've learned is that actually writing things out, doing them, putting pen to paper, it's really a different, it's totally different than just thinking through something just in your bed. No, just get pen to paper and write it out. And there's a difference there. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Lynn, how about you? Is there a 24 hour action from the course that you think people listening could just get started doing? For sure. For me, it's all about connection. So Think about that one person who you either really enjoyed working with or who you have it, who we've kind of lost connection with and just make the call, send an email, just open up that door to that connection point to reignite it. That's a stepping stone. Most people are really open to staying connected and 
sharing their story. And that's the thing that I've learned is that you reach out and there's a lot of people that are going to reach back. I love it. Yeah, totally. That generosity, that reciprocity, that connection, it is so powerful. It sounds like for you, like that connection, it really kind of brought your engagement back up. It brought your love for the industry, kind of rekindled that spark inside of you. And so, yeah, I want to challenge everybody. So pick one of these actions and do it, like either connect with someone in the industry, start those conversations or write everything down that's on your plate and figure out what do you absolutely have to do. So I love those. Thank you so much for sharing your stories on the podcast today. I can't wait to share this with everybody else. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Andrea.